1: We've made it to episode three, my friends. Hello and welcome to Driven Celebrities, the podcast. It is obviously the pod version of the Driven radio show that goes out on weekends on talk radio. And for those of you that can't tune in to talk radio at the weekend because you have busy lives and other things to be doing at four o'clock on a Saturday or seven o'clock on a Sunday. Fair play. That's why we're here now. That's why we're chatting to each other. And you're well, I don't know if you're chatting to me or not. Hopefully you're listening to me and not being too horrified. Say hi, Andy. I don't know if you did or not, but hi, anyway, hello. Um, I hope that we can bring a bit of sunshine to your week. Some really special guests today. I think this was a a show I was so thrilled we managed to put together as a trio. Um, If you're a regular listener, you'll know that we usually have two celebrities on the show. Well, today we crammed in three, and my goodness, what a lineup it is. It's the sort of lineup that. I would genuinely like any of the big chat shows, you're kind of Graham Norton's or whatever. They genuinely book these three guests on the show because they're great as a trio. So I hope that you'll agree this is a this is a bit of a star booking week for us. I'm really chuffed. Downton Abbey star and Lovejoy star, the wonderful Phyllis Logan. She's the first guest and she's really an absolute treat. Then we have Kaiser Chief's frontman, judge of the voice Uh, has a podcast called Pop Detective with uh, Tony Blackburn, and he's also a presenter and a man about town and a gadabout and just a generally very interesting fellow, Mr. Ricky Wilson. Really cool. He's our second guest. Then our third guest, and this one got a lot of attention on social media when it went out, is Mr. Ben Aldridge. He's a a very handsome actor. He was in the first season of Fleabag as, uh, well, I shouldn't really pronounce his character name, but He's a bit of an antagonistic character, shall we say. He's also been in Our Girl, a major, major character in that. And he's in a new show by um, what's well, called DC's Pennyworth. DC obviously being the, uh, the Batman universe. And he plays Batman's dad. It's pretty cool. So that's our podcast for you this week phyllis logan ricky wilson and ben aldridge and we close out the show with our automotive lovelies thanks again for your time i'd love to have a review and a rating from you if you can spare the time in fact you could do it when you listen to this show if you're not listening in the car or on a run or whatever that would be great um and thank you for your company i hope you're having a good week and i hope this makes your good week a great week and if you're having a bit of a pants week well hopefully the next you know 45 50 minutes or so will uh we'll just give you a little boost. All right, take care. Have a good week and um, same time, same place next week, yeah?
2: All right, enjoy. Driven with Andy J on Talk Radio in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com.
1: Hey there, welcome to Driven with me, Andy J. This is the show that talks to celebrities and achievers about what drives them. And today, my word, what a lineup of superstar guests we have for you today. We have a BAFTA-winning actor. That's right, star of Downton Abbey and Lovejoy, Phyllis Logan, is here. We have a genuine rock star. Kaiser Chiefs frontman, judge on The Voice, pop detective... Radio star and all-round, well, just legend, Ricky Wilson. Yeah, he's here soon. Can't wait to talk to him. And then we have a man who I actually think has got a genuine shot at being the next James Bond. Here's why. He starred in Fleabag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, you, you've got it already, right? Starred in Fleabag and DC's Pennyworth. The wonderful Ben Aldridge. Talented actor. What a, what an incredible group that we have today. Let's dive in, shall we? This is Driven. With me, Andy J.
2: Driven with Andy J on Talk Radio, in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at DrivenChat.com.
1: Now, I am absolutely delighted to be able to welcome my guest, a lady who you will have seen on screen and stage for many, many years now. It is the resplendent, the magnificent, the one and only Phyllis Logan. Hello, Phyllis, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing well.
1: Thanks, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Phyllis. Now, there's something I want to throw at you right now. We, of course, know you from phenomenal programs like Downton Abbey and Lovejoy and many more. However, in 1983, BAFTA, and it just shows you how on the money they are, in 1983, you won a BAFTA award for most promising newcomer. I know. I don't think I fulfilled my promise, did I? (laughs) I would say they were pretty much on the money, weren't they? That's a lot of pressure from not just you receiving the award, but for BAFTA, they had to know you were going to go on to do great things, didn't they? They took a punt
0: and, you know, (laughs) I've managed to sustain a career and that's all that matters, really. I've managed to sustain a career for blah, 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 100 years,
1: so... (laughs) I'm imagining, and I realise I'm asking you to cast your mind back to, to this wonderful award in 1983, most promising newcomer, that to me, that's
0: ramped in pressure, isn't it? I mean, that's, it's a sort of blessing and a curse, isn't it? Well, it is, it's a, it's a bit daunting, and to be quite honest, just not long after that, I didn't actually do an awful lot, <laughs> you know, probably thought, oh, well, she's fine, she's promising newcomer, we don't need to offer her any jobs. It was all a bit slack for a while. <laughs> Yeah. this place is full of stuff i've been meaning to get appraised not terribly keen on pewter
3: what do you think oh it's william the original oh it screams it though modern copies don't have that pewter sheen like a sunset on the marshes
0: you're a romantic so-and-so aren't you
3: one mm. of a dying breed
0: I think I'm like you, Lovejoy. You mentioned already Lovejoy, and and I have to say that was apart from Downton Abbey, that was the the longest running show that I ever did, and I never imagined that I would get involved in a show that ran for several seasons, because I always thought no 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 I want to diversify I want to go and do this that and the other I don't want to be tied into one character, but I have to say both. Lovejoy playing Lady Jane and playing Mrs Hughes and Downton Abbey have been absolute highlights. I mean, Lovejoy it was just laugh a minute from beginning to end. And when I if I ever catch a wee snippet of it on some Dave channel or whatever, it looks like it was sunshine all the way. Yes, it does. I mean, I remember days we were drowned, but when you see it on the screen, it just looks like all to all sunshine. And that's what it feels like in my heart when I think of it. It oh, was just wow. sunshine. How
1: nice to have so many glorious memories. And, and of course, as you say, Downton Abbey, I mean, that just grew and grew and grew. Did you know at the beginning that when you saw the first script, when you were first, you know, auditioning for it, etc. did you know, do you know what, there's there's something here that's, that's
0: going to break big? I definitely, th- I didn't, I thought it might be moderately successful. I had not a clue it was going to become a, a worldwide phenomenon. Yeah. actually. The, all the takes were in the boxes, like it was Julian Fellows, who was at that time still an Oscar-winning screenwriter for Gosford Park. So I thought, well, that's one big take. Maggie Smith was on board, another big take. And I think Hugh was on board at that time as well. So, And then I read the scripts and thought, Wow. This this is good. This is good. I really want to do this. And thankfully they asked me if I would, so I was delighted, but never in a month of Sundays imagined that I would be flying out all over the world going to premieres and you know doing all that. No, you just don't know. Let's toast your new house.
3: Maybe I should mention one thing. You say your new house, but it isn't only mine. I've registered it in both of our names. I hope you don't mind, but I hate to change a plan when there's no need.
0: Mr. Carson, I'm very appreciative, really. But I can't accept. Why not? Who knows what the future may hold? Or how much longer we'll even be here? Suppose you want to move away and change your life entirely. You don't want to be stuck with me.
1: Phyllis, I must ask you, because the title of this show is Driven, and it is about what drives people, what, what gets them up in the morning, what keeps them going. And, and, you know, an actor's life, everybody's aware of this. An actor's life can be very much like a roller coaster. You know, one minute you're at the top and you're having the most wonderful time. And as you've said yourself, it's such a ball. But then there's the next minute where you're at the bottom of the roller coaster and you're looking for the jobs or you're wondering why the phone isn't ringing or the, the audition wasn't quite what you were expecting or whatever. And it's a real seesaw of emotions, isn't it?
0: It really is. And well, particularly at this time, when if we did have jobs in the in the offing, they've all gone for a Burton, and things have been postponed or put off indefinitely. So, and nobody knows how it's going to pan out, you know, when we're going to get back to being in a studio, for example, that's going to have so many challenges for people. The theatres, of course, that's double the challenge, really, trying to make theatres pay for themselves in this climate. I don't know how it's going to work. It's just... um, my husband and I, we've managed to do our narrations for various things.
1: Yes, well, that I mean, that brings us very nicely to The Highland Vet, which is the show that you are currently narrating.
0: An emergency case arrives at the practice. So this is Paddy, and we have his house-sister, his not actual sister. Their owner came home from work to find a toy chewed um, and a battery missing. He says he searched and searched and searched, cannot find the battery at all. So if one of these dogs has eaten the battery, we're gonna have to go in and fish it out because batteries are very, very bad news. Very bad news. When the weather's not good, it's fairly brutal the weather and uh, that impacts of course on how the vets are able to handle matters but they do they come they're, they're like superheroes they manage to come to the fore every
1: time. I don't know how they do it I mean it takes a special yeah. person that kind of it gets, gets through the conditions and then goes and saves the animal so I mean good for them it's it's really lovely isn't it. I know it's such a nice thing to narrate I must say. I bet it is. The sort of job as a, of a narrator is really fascinating because you're observing and guiding the audience through what we're seeing. You've. Seen sort of at close quarters what these vets experience and and, you know the sort of challenges they have to go through and it's it's your job of course to author that have you felt you know that's a job i could never do myself you know what, what what sort of job would phyllis logan do if you weren't such a successful actor well
0: funnily enough when i was at primary school i did have a notion that I wanted to be a vet I'd find myself if I found a little bird that had fallen out of its nest I I remember taking it home and putting it in a cardboard box with cotton wool on top of a hot water bottle and getting a, an eyedropper and trying to feed it some milk or water or whatever of course it died in it <laughs> well I shouldn't mm-hmm. sad story but of course it wasn't going to survive out of the nest without its mum and everything but yeah and my My cousin's husband was a vet and I remember we would sometimes go visit and he would have poorly animals round his back sort of shed area and I'd go round there and stroke them and think, oh, yes, I want to be a vet, but I didn't. I mean, goodness sakes, it takes so long to become a vet. You know, you have to put years and years in before you can can actually become a fully-fledged vet and I don't know if I've got the patience for that. How did the acting journey start for you then, Phyllis? Because you've just said you wouldn't be a vet
1: because it takes too much studying, but acting is that you're ever learning, aren't you? It's a continual <laughs>
0: evolution this is a good thing. I'm sure vets or or many professions would say the same thing. You know, like in the Highland Vet, there are some things that crop up late in the series, which nobody's ever attempted before. They'll come across a particular case that they've never come across. And so they're always learning too. Yes, it's true for actors. I did spend three years at drama school, but, you know, that that was a fun thing because it was my passion. I wanted to do it. And when we But in first year, I remember, we used to sit up all night. Well, not quite all night, but talking about acting. I mean, it sounds such a childish thing now, but that was our huge passion. We just wanted to do it and know as much about it as possible. And like you say, you're still finding things out. You're still learning things either about yourself or you watch other people and you think, God, marvellous, I couldn't do that or whatever. So uh, it's it's an ongoing process, but it, it's a lovely one to have fulfilled my life with. Phyllis Logan,
1: you have been amazing. Now you can hear Phyllis's narration on The Highland Vet on Monday at 9 o'clock on 5 Select as she continues to follow the staff at DS McGregor & Partners as they help farm animals, domestic pets and wildlife. And don't forget, you can catch up on the rest of the series on My 5. Up next here on Driven, from the Kaiser Chiefs. It's Ricky Wilson.
2: Driven with Andy J on Talk Radio. In association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Welcome back to Driven
1: here on Talk Radio with me, Andy J. Now, I am so excited to be talking to my next guest, a man who I told off-air that he hopefully doesn't remember me, but we had one wild night together, uh, although not... That sounds a bit seedy. It wasn't seedy. It just involved having a few drinks. It's Kaiser Chief's front man, TV presenter, radio presenter, and all-round legend, the one and only Ricky Wilson. How you doing, Ricky?
3: Hi. Thanks for bigging me up. It's been a long time since I've seen you. Uh, I believe it was the Gore Hotel in about 2005 six. You were drinking old fashions, <laughs> and, I, and I was having lager.
1: There we go. I mean, listen. I love that you made that up, but it's pretty, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty accurate. In the old days, Ricky, that I like to refer to as back when we were happy.
3: Happy is one thing. We were staying in nice hotels back then. but We didn't know it was costing us money. We just wanted to stay in the best, and then then you get the bill at the end of the year. And now we stay in. Uh, well, no, I'm not going to diss any smaller chains, but, you know, like, we stay in cheaper hotels, but uh, this services is just as good.
1: That's something that, I didn't think we'd be talking about this right now, but that's something that certainly bands starting out that get their record deals. I mean, obviously, well, let's, let's take you back to the start of Kaiser Chiefs. I realized you you'd had a couple of record deals previously, but in your sort of full incantation of Kaiser Chiefs, you had this great big record deal straight out the blocks, big hits immediately, lots of tours people don't realise that actually, like you say, those hotels, the expenses, the, the, the fancy drinks you get backstage, etc., that effectively does come out of your pocket, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, it sounds very boring, but we heard horror stories about some bands. There was a girl band in particular that blew their entire advance on Addison Lee's because they didn't think they were paying for them, but they were just had them waiting all day outside the studios and used them as like a chauffeur. And uh, I think it cost them about £75,000 at the end of the year. Oh, man. The myth is you think that you know you get a rider when you do a show. The myth is that you know that's just free booze, whatever, but you pay for it. So whether you ask it on your rider it comes out You see at the end of the night. So now we just have tap water.
1: <laughs> yeah, tap water and a cushion that yeah. you can that yeah. you can have back. Whoa,
3: whoa, 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 Blow down on the cushion
1: there. <laughs> but you must have had you must have had some lavish requests. Like at some point in time, there must have been a moment because We were all young and foolish once. There must have been a moment where you're like, I'm frontman for a massive rock band. I've got loads of fans. I want this,
3: please. You'd think that, but we kept each other pretty much in check because we're still with the same mates, you know, we've had for most of our lives. So we'd take the mickey out of each other if we did, like, start acting up a bit. I can remember one time, though, where we just wanted to go home and um, we just supported U2 in Amsterdam. And then we got off stage quite early, because, you know, the stadium gig's quite early. Straight to the airport, and we were in our local pub by about 10. Wow. So uh, in Headingley, in Leeds, when I lived there, it was actually quite weird, because we didn't think it was that weird until someone said, uh, oh, what have you guys been doing? We were supporting U2 tonight in Amsterdam. And then that felt quite rock and roll.
1: I mean, that that is really rock and roll. And the mad thing is that you have like a raft of sentences that you could just throw like that, that sound like, oh yeah, well. But that, I mean, it's phenomenal. You've lived an incredible life so far, haven't
3: you? It's nice of you to say so, but I do save them all for when I go on the radio. I don't, you know, <laughs> walk around, because it would really annoy Grace if I was just <laughs> telling her stories all the time. I find it quite amusing, because she doesn't know half of what I've got up to Because we've only been going out for like six years. So I've calmed down a lot since then. So I've got a lot of stories that I'll tell the grandkids that Grace doesn't know about. Does she know, and I'm
1: going out on a limb here, Ricky, so I, I ask this cautiously. Please don't hang up if you don't like the question. Does she know that in 2006 you were voted Best Dressed Man?
3: I was voted Best Dressed Man for an NME award. You never actually get the award. You don't get a statue. And I get the feeling it was just a way of Top Man to sell more waistcoats. It's not something that I'll take with me as a crowning achievement because I've seen pictures of me back then and I wasn't well dressed. It wasn't a good look. It's dated badly.
1: When you were growing up, what was it you wanted to do? Because you've basically done a lot,
3: haven't you? I actually really wanted to be a cell animator, doing like thousands of pictures like that to make cell animation. That's what I really wanted to do. I didn't really start singing until... um, girls came along uh, <laughs> it became very clear in the early 90s that suddenly uh, you could be like skinny and not that attractive but be very attractive if you're in the music industry and that that set a light bulb up my head and I thought <laughs> right I want to be in a ba- I've got to get in a band what can I do uh well I can't play guitar but I can't play drums can't play bass can't sing, but that seems like the easiest option. So yeah, I got into the music because it was just—it was a really good way of being someone that you weren't. As well, do you know at school you're the kid you are at school, and then as soon as you leave, you can be whoever you want to be. Yeah. And literally, you go to university and you just make it up, and you just become <laughs> something—you know—become another character. And uh, that was that was brilliant for me. And I hate it when celebrities go. Oh, I was a very shy child, you know. Oh, was a, but. Uh, I just wasn't that loud and then I decided at university I was going to be uh, a little bit more outgoing and it's it's it was hard work because it doesn't come naturally, but uh, I've settled into it now, it's taken about 25 years.
1: You know, that's, I mean, that's so interesting to hear you say that, because you're right, I mean, whether it's university or whether it's first job or whether it's just the process of leaving school, there's a lot of young people, I I was like you, don't have, have a clue what they want to do, you know, they how on earth can you figure out what you're going to do in life until until actually you're in life, until you step into it and go, okay, this feels cool, and I suppose for you, when you got to uni, you just kind of thought, as a chance to start again, let's hit refresh.
3: Yeah, totally, totally, I mean, it wasn't that I was, you know, doing nothing before university, I was... I think I was watching a lot, learning, but quietly. That's good to do that because you become, uh, you know, you're not just being loud and annoying. That comes later. But uh, <laughs> you can, like, learn. So I think I just kept my head down. So, uh, better. It's, it's like with everything, I'd learn more from people I don't like than people I like. Because if you just wanted to be something, you'd be a, an imitation of them. But if you just avoid being all things you don't like, you end up being true to yourself. It's a good one, that, isn't it? I like that. I
1: like yeah. that. Do you know what that made me think of while you were talking about that, Ricky? It made me think yeah. of that scene in The Matrix where they're tooling up. Like, I just learned Kung Fu and, I, and give me these guns and whatever else it might be. And it's almost like you've gone, don't give me those, I'll take that instead.
3: I used to go and see lots of bands. There's no point in saying, let's do that, let's do that. Let's do that. It was basically a long list of what not to do. And then we messed it up when we came out by... Uh, being uh, so excited to be there that it finally happened. It was just, we were bouncing into festivals like, wow, this is amazing, a door, wow, a chair. You know, we were just so excited to be there. It it, it kind of like, I suppose that might have been quite endearing, but it must have been really annoying to the other bands that we actually were breaking the fourth wall and we're, <laughs> we're actually showing that we were appreciating being you know where we were.
1: Well, you do literally break the fourth wall, Ricky. I mean, I've seen you many many times i think you're phenomenal life you're no stranger to hurling yourself into the masses and just getting a sniff of them are you
3: yeah that's uh that's something i've calmed down a lot on now uh, nothing like that is ever planned it just it just started to happen and then when uh, as soon as people start noticing that's what you do that's when you stop and that's the annoying human trait that i've got we did it on the second album as well when everyone was going on about our spiy blazers and our like you know, colourful clothes and stuff. So the second album comes out, we're all wearing black on the front and frowning. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. Fans have that weird habit of kicking themselves in the foot when someone says, you're good at that. they don't want to do it then. Yes. <laughs> oh.
1: Well, then you need to reverse psychology yourself, don't you? It's like it's like yeah. if someone's... T- like when we've been told not to touch our face loads. Mm, it's as soon oh, as you're no. told not to do something, you're doing it all the time. You, it sounds like you can flip it flip it around the other way.
3: Yeah, I think now we've become a lot more comfortable with who we are, so we, we actually quite like the little burrow we ploughed in the industry and we, we're good at it and it's it's a laugh and recently this is a good thing about being driven because we were quite driven for a long time and it's a, it's a good thing but we have we've had an enforced break right which uh i've really enjoyed it's been like 16 years since we've had this much time off because i was becoming a bit not complacent, the opposite, actually. It was The band became the be-all and end-all and I was worrying about it all the time. And now I don't really... It, it's just a band like it was at the beginning. It's, it's, it's a laugh and it's enjoyable. And don't take it too seriously.
1: But you say that, and, and it's easy to say that when you're the person in ownership of it. You know, when we're looking in, it's kind yeah. of like, well, hang on, you know. Duck came out last year, yeah. there's another tour planned. Kaiser Chiefs are still going in a big way. Let's be fair... If you got to number three in the charts and there was a chance that you'd make number one by the weekend, you can't tell me it wouldn't mean the world. You'd be on the edge of your seat, wouldn't you?
3: Oh, of course. I'd be buying most of the records. (laughs) Which I still do. It makes no difference. But when the album's like the week before it's coming out, I can't walk past a record shop without buying one. Uh, (laughs) I don't think that's illegal. But uh, it doesn't make much difference anymore with streams and stuff like that. The hard thing about being in a band, right, and I know no one wants to hear that, sentence start like that it's like the actually hardest thing about being a celebrity not being able to say it, how hard it is because it's just <laughs> you just sound like a moron right so the hard thing about being in a band is it's all about when you're making a record you have to build your hope so much right there's no point doing it when you're kind of like going well i hope that it just gives buys us another year of touring so when you're making it you're literally imagining walking high-fiving kanye west on the way to the stage of the brits <sighs> picking up all the awards right but then in your heart, you know that's not going to happen. You think, oh, this album's going to be number one for 15 weeks. But you're still pushing for it. And it's a kind of madness that I'm sure all people music in music industry have. But if you didn't have that, then you wouldn't do it. But, you know, there's a lot of dashing of hope. But I've kind of got used to that. But you've got to wait in
1: When you've got the audience there and you know that, It's one of the hits, you know, Raya or Ruby or you know, so many we could choose from. But it's one of the ones that you've played literally thousands of times. Do you still go, brilliant, we're playing this next? Or is it a bit like, okay, let's get through this. We know that the audience loves this moment, so let's just get to that.
3: Oh no, of course, I love it. Because essentially it's not really for us. That'd be weird if we only went playing because we absolutely loved it that we do love it but it's more for the audience than it's for us and we, we're very lucky that we've got lots of big guns yeah. to scatter around our set so it's amazing because it's like having a it's like having a trick up your sleeve you know and you can pull it out and you know when you, I love that it's not like some of the comedians have it really hard because they can't I think Peter Kay said it it's not like they can go on stage and go is that joke you all know. Yeah. And like, yeah, I love this joke. You know, it's not like that. And you can't do it with films going, oh, you know that scene? Yeah. Here it is again. Yes, and during lockdown,
1: obviously, the band can't tour, but you are yeah. pop, detecting, I um, am with, pop detecting with Tony. Yeah. And thats mm. is that keeping you going during lockdown? Is it? Is it sort of scratching the itch, as it were?
3: Uh, not really. It's literally once a week for about three hours, me and Tony have a Zoom conversation about uh, a subject, like a pop myth, that we find out, like, you know, does Cher have a special room for a wigs or that's it really but it's just a little bit of it's like a long phone conversation with a funny friend and he is funny i mean and also when you're making a podcast you can say anything you want and then it gets edited down to 40 minutes and it's just hilarious and some of the stories i wish i wish we could put out there that tony's told me because he he's met everyone and he's got some good stories but it's uh, too salacious for the public
1: So how did your relationship with with Tony come about? Because I didn't really believe it when I first read it. I was like, what? That's an unusual pairing.
3: It just started because I was covering for Dermot O'Leary quite a lot on Saturday mornings, and Tony had the show for me. And they'd say, oh, will you go into Tony's show and say what's coming up on your show? And I'd say, I would love that. So I went on, and we'd have, like, ten-minute chats, and they were always far too nonsensical. And he'd say things in the chats that I thought were not the kind of Tony Blackburn he heard on the radio. Like, we were talking about Love Island. He said that he hadn't got into Love Island this year because of his, he, he failed the SST teacher. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's brilliant. That's a good joke, Tony. Uh, let's uh, let's do a podcast. Well, actually, I, I was asked to do a podcast and I didn't really want to do a podcast. So I said, I'll do it if Tony Blackburn does it with me. Brilliant. Not thinking brilliant. it would happen. And uh, Tony said yes. And now I'm very happy with doing a podcast, which is great. Because in the Radio 2 building... I found a secret hatch, right? It was between the outer windows and the inner windows for sound insulation. It's only about a foot and a half wide. And I managed to get in there, and while he was on the show, I popped up in a window that he didn't know existed. I gave him <laughs> the shock of his life. And he's an endangered species, so, you know.
1: You be careful with the blackbird. Yeah. You, you gotta be, be careful. careful What's left to achieve? There are so many ticks in the bucket list box. If you look at your career, the life, the people you met with, the people you hung out with, the people you've sung with and performed with, you know, what is it that... What's the next thing on the list of, I really want to do this?
3: I think it's just... Right, I've never been the best at anything, ever. Like, even art at school, I was second best. And, like, the band, we've been brilliant, we've been long-lived, and we've been quite good at keeping going, but... Never, I've never felt that we're the best, and that's ambition for you. But ambition is, like, it is just the same as fog, because you always think to yourself when you're driving, oh, we'll be in fog in a minute, but it's always just out of reach. What's next? I don't know, I'd like to be the best at something, but that is basketball, but then there's Michael Jordan, I can't beat him. I've written a children's book, but I don't know if it's any good. You're not a father yourself, is that right? No, I'm not. Right. No, I wanted to write one before I became a father. I think I'm quite good at writing songs I can't play guitar. And I think the moment I learn to play guitar is the moment... It'd be like, you know, when Mick Jagger picks up a red strap and it's a little bit like, no, mm, I don't like that. Yeah, hang on. I want you to keep dancing. Not that he's not... He can, he, no, he's very good. But I just think that... Because I've always been a front man. I, I, I like the fact that I've, I've never been on And now I'll show you what else I'm good at. <laughs> you know, I don't like that. So um, I'd like to be good at... Yeah, the best... The children's book's are all right. It's, I've sent it to some publishers and okay. they haven't said no. They haven't said no, but it's weird. It's like, oh, get back to you in a week, and another week, another week, and I'm a bit like, oh, well. I want to be doing something about it. It's yeah, easy in music industry because you can just keep doing something. But with this, it's literally like, well, I've done it now, and now I just have to wait, and I don't like that. I was trying to write songs, and I find it quite therapeutic when I'm writing songs to write silly ones, never to come out as guys songs, but just to kind of like play around with stuff that makes me laugh. So I started doing that. And then I, um, I got a friend of mine, uh, who I'll reveal when, it, when he wants it to reveal, to write some music to those. And then I changed all those songs, slash poems, musical things. I stuck them all together in one big story where it, it, it kind of follows this weird adventure. It just kind of happened like that. And and because of lockdown, I wanted to do it for ages but because of lockdown, I thought, right, this will give me an excuse to say, I'm sitting in the office, which is just a spare room for three hours and uh, get away with it. So uh, I quite like having a job like that. It means you get to sit on your own for a bit. It's not a bad thing about Grace or anything. I love spending time with Grace, but I think that even in lockdown you need to, like, be on your own for a little bit. Nobody signed on
1: for this, to be fair. You know, all relationships, all marriages, all, you know, all all families, etc. No one is used to the amount of time we've been exposed to each other. And sometimes some people have, have loved it, some people have had issues with it. Uh, I mean, is, is uh, I mentioned the fatherhood question. Is that something that you're yes. going to start thinking about? Is it something well, that interests we get, you? We're
3: getting, uh, we're getting married. So we're hoping to get married in late September if all things go to plan. Congratulations. With the, uh, no second spike and all that. Oh, yes, of course. I'd love to have children. But, you know, it's not something that's guaranteed. It's not. Just something to keep in mind.
1: Thank you so much, Ricky. Now, don't forget you can download Ricky Wilson and Tony Blackburn's podcast, The Pop Detectives, wherever you get your podcasts from. And speaking of pods, don't forget, there's also our Driven Chat podcast. So, for example, uh, last week, if you missed Nico Rosberg on the show, you can hear the whole thing unfiltered in full on the pod now alongside a whole load of extra special automotive podcasts that we don't air on the radio. We keep it especially for the pod. So do check out the Driven Chat podcast. Now, after the break, I'm joined by Fleabag's Ben Aldridge. This is Driven with me, Andy J, on Talk Radio, powered by Paramex Digital, proud creators of DrivenChat.com.
2: Driven with Andy J on Talk Radio, in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at DrivenChat.com.
1: This is Driven here on Talk Radio. I'm Andy Jay. Now, we've heard from Phyllis Logan. We've heard from Ricky Wilson. So who's in the hot seat for guest number three? Well, an actor who is only impressing. Star of Fleabag, Our Girl, and now DC's Pennyworth, it is Mr Ben Aldridge. Ben, welcome to the show. Now, look, you have done so much so quickly and you've worked with so many people. How about... um, how about just sharing with us some of these amazing stories of, of people you've been lucky enough to work
4: with so far? Colin Firth actually accidentally punched me in the head, and I was only, <laughs> <laughs> I was only in that. I was only in that film for a very small amount of time. I had like two scenes with him in Nicole Kidman. There wasn't time to rehearse the stunt fight, and he accidentally <laughs> made contact with my forehead. But he wow. was the most charming and the most apologetic, and I kind of thought. What? I don't care, Colin, you can, you can punch me in
1: the head, that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? He has to be the most charming and apologetic. He's just punched you in the head.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very true. But even before that, he was he was super, super charming. So uh, And it didn't hurt either, but it was just quite funny. <laughs>
1: well. Do you know what I would have done, Ben, if he'd done that to me? If I'd be, I would have tried to exploit that situation, I would have been like, right, listen, you need to personalise voicemail for me or do a little speech at my wedding. Like, something like that.
4: That'll, I, that'll I thought you were going to try away. and say you were going to...
1: I thought you were going to say you were going to try and sue him for some money. So, yeah, oh, sure. No, 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 no. Where's the cashier in that? You know, I sued Colin <laughs> for, That's not fun. You know, get him on your list. No, voicemail. no, no. That's the way to do yeah, it. Yeah, could have. So, Ben, listen, I want to talk about Pennyworth because I really love it. I've really, really been enjoying it so far. But, f- but before we get into that. A couple of little things that I've got to talk to you about. First up, is this true, OK? Because your character in Fleabag is iconic. I've mentioned to my sister-in-law that I was talking to you and she was like, oh, I need to text everyone and tell him, just tell them that you're talking to him. You play a guy who I probably can't pronounce on the radio show. Is it true that you recorded
4: all of that in just two weeks? Yeah, I think under, actually. I think um, I was filming uh, Owl Girl at the time and I, I think they managed to fit everything I did in that show into, like, into a week. So, yeah, I was just, like, in and out. And, yeah, and then, it's, and then you know, of course, it ends up being a, a huge hit. So, yeah, it was very, very quick for me.
1: That must, I mean, that must have been quite a transformative week, though. Not suggesting that your career wasn't already brilliant, because, like you say, filming our girl at the time anyway, but but nonetheless, to, to see what it went on to achieve. You know, Fleabag is, is uh, there are, it, it, there's nothing it hasn't won.
4: Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been amazing to, to watch that and to see it grow and like just to be a small part of it. I'm very, very um, proud to even, you know, to be in it the little bit that I am. And like, I mean, it's, it's all credit to, to Phoebe, including everything I did in it. I, I turned up there for a week and didn't really, I mean, brilliant script. She's so great to work with and she gave me great notes and like really helped me kind of like shake that performance So. So, yeah, it was, it was great fun. And then, you know, also quite embarrassing, because I do some quite embarrassing and say some quite embarrassing things in that. <laughs> right, so next one yep. for you. Okay, you get approached
1: by DC. OMG, you know what I mean? This is massive. We've got this huge new show, mm-hmm. massive budget. It's going to be incredible. It's going to look phenomenal. The script's amazing. We've got Grammy-winning people attached to it. Also, like, it's just so many incredible people attached to it.
4: Mm.
1: I'm asking you about, was there a moment of pause when they said, so you're going to be playing Batman's dad, Thomas Wayne, simply because potentially that rules you out of ever playing Batman.
4: I know, that's all I thought. Oh, Jesus. That's Batman out the window for me. <laughs> no, you know, it, it's funny. I guess it, it also comes with a certain amount of pressure to kind of get it right in terms of to the fans. But luckily, we've only ever really seen him die. So there's never been like a really super famous portrayal of him before. Yeah. So in that way, I've kind of got a bit a bit of free reign along with Bruno, who kind of created the, wrote, and wrote the character. But I, I did have a moment on set with um, a background artist who was um, uh, like playing a punter at a bar that, that we were doing a, a scene in. And... Uh, I had like a brief chat with him, just said hello because he stood next to me, and I had him turn round and say to his like fellow actor, "Oh my goodness, I just spoken to Batman's dad," (laughs) (laughs) and and not until that moment did I realise, "Oh yeah, there." There are people that like you know this will be a, this will be quite a big deal to people out there who are into the DC franchise. So that was a, that was a funny moment to to have that realisation.
1: And Ben, we know the amount of planning and thought that goes into the DC franchise, as you called it. You know, there's so much kind of interlinking of characters and actors appearing in different shows, et cetera. You know, they're taking their parts across to other series and so on and so forth. Is there a chance that we could see you? maybe as an older Thomas Wayne in another in a spin-off show I'm kind of I'm, I'm leading here but I, I don't know where this could
4: go so I thought I'd ask yeah I'm I'm in the Robert Pattinson film oh there we no, go no, I'm, not. <laughs> I'm not I'm not oh, 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 oh. N- not at all <laughs> yeah. um, no I think I'm, uh, who knows like you said they do they do link uh, series up sometimes but I think because we're, we're very much uh, a prequel and set in the 60s like you said it would have to be older it's not beyond the realms of possibility in DC Universe so yeah I mean I mean we'll see, but um I can't probably unlikely, but who knows?
1: Ben, I can't believe I just got pranked I mean, you just did it.
4: <laughs> you, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> There's a sentence he didn't think he'd be saying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but look, I know we're really short on time, so I've got to ask you, the show's called Driven, and it's all about when we talk to people like yourself, people of note and stature, it's all about what drives you, what inspires you, what gets you up in the morning, because we all have great days, and we all have really tough days, and, and some of some of the experiences in your career, you know, 34, to achieve the things you've done already is is incredible. How do you kind of yeah. keep level-headed? Oh, How do you stay kind of focused and sharp and,
4: and just not let it kind of overawe you? And it's very easy to stay level-headed and, and, um, and like to remain humble about it because I, I think what... Which ties in with what keeps me driven about it. I love being part of something creative, and that takes a whole team, and you're often just a very small piece of that puzzle. I think just from doing like youth theatre when I was younger, I just loved that kind of community sense of making something with other people, and that that's still what I... Enjoy about it, and, and that's in like you realize that none of it's just down to you, it's part of a, a much bigger picture, and also that's kind of like the joy in it as well. Is that it's a, it's a team effort, so yeah, if they go hand in hand.
1: Ben, last one for you. We've ruled out Batman, is Bond an, is Bond an option? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they want me to do it, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> you, got, you got listen, tall, tall dark, handsome, and you got it nailed. Uh, it's, it's in the bag, mate. I like it. <laughs>
4: You've got the door of my PR, thank you so much.
1: (laughs) That was Ben Aldridge there. Now you can catch him in Pennyworth for the complete first season on digital download, Blu-ray and DVD now from Warner Brothers Home Entertainment.
3: Driven with Andy J.
1: Well, that's it. Thank you very much to our special guests on Driven here on Talk Radio. Phyllis Logan from Downton Abbey. What a gem. Absolutely lovely. Ricky Wilson. I mean, I want to be his best mate, to be honest, because he's just such a dude. And Ben Aldridge. Wow. You know, bit of stardust on the show. However, I'm delighted to say that the fun does not stop here. If you've been listening to the show over the last couple of weeks, you know we have an automotive podcast companion, and we have three superstars that join me every week. You can, of course, get the podcast however you get your pods, Spotify, Apple, and so on and so forth. This week, we are talking, well, John Marker, what are we talking about?
3: Yeah, well, I thought I'd cover, as somebody that makes a living from planning road trips and driving tours, and with the global situation that we're in at the moment, do we need to go overseas to enjoy road trips? Spoiler alert, the answer is no, because we're surrounded by amazing roads.
1: Hmm. although cake might... Play a part, Mr Quirk, what else will we be discussing on the pod?
3: Yeah, we, we're actually going to be discussing some, in, some of the greatest cars in film. So we're talking about the origins of the Aston Martin DB5 from James Bond. We've talked about Doc Brown's DeLorean, even Dukes of Hazard's Dodge Charger. So it's well worth listening.
1: Yeehaw. I mean, oh, I can't believe I just said that and it's too late to cut it out. <laughs> there we go. And the wonderful Amy Shaw, what else are we going to be Hello. throwing in people's ears during yes. the podcast?
3: So I'm working on a project at the minute that's uh, looking at a specific car rest- restoration but it's a concept car so we wanted to think about concept cars and are they actually you know just cruel lies we are talking a bit more about that
1: love it thank you amy so you'll be able to hear from john quirk john Markar, and amy shaw plus myself on the driven chat podcast which is available wherever you get your podcasts and of course we'll be back here on talk radio more from these three next week i promise same time same place Bye bye
2: Driven with Andy J on Talk Radio in association with paramix Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at DrivenChat.com.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus.